Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. To Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. My name is Dr. Lulu, aka the Momatrician, coming at y'all again with another guest. This time around is a sister doc. As a matter of fact, she's closer to me than I thought. She's a pediatrician, she's a neonatologist, so she takes care of the babies, the little ones, you know, the preemies. These are the real pediatricians, if you ask me, okay? Because if you, if, you, if you work with teenagers who can tell you how they feel, yeah, you got it. But a newborn baby, that's the challenge. And then she's also a boy mom. Are you kidding me? Like, this is so good. So we're talking about having boys and how to raise boys or not raise boys or girls or not, whatever. But her name is Dr. Sonia Patel. Dr. Sonia, thank you so much. No, not Sonia, Sonal. Sonal, uh-huh. Yes, thank you, Sonal. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. I know in this podcast, you know, we do have good times. We do laugh a lot, but we also talk about really, really powerful stuff. So we're going to be talking about trauma and pain and possibly suicide today. So who, where do you want to begin, Doc? What's going on? Where do you want to begin? Yeah, um, I think I'll begin of how I got involved in all of this and how it kind of led me to you and having this conversation. Um, so like you mentioned, I'm a pediatrician. I'm a NICU doc by training. And I did that for eight years. I'm here in Denver, Colorado at Denver Health, which is a safety net hospital. And then I had four of my own. So during my own professional and and personal experiences, I kind of just realized that there's so much trauma in the postpartum care world that we do not recognize. Um, I suffered from postpartum depression. I suffered from postpartum anxiety. And all of that cumulative, especially also in the NICU, where there's a lot of, we do great with taking care of premature babies, but we're missing a very key component in families and supporting them. And when we started really focusing on that, we started unearthing a lot of postpartum depression and PTSD. Because if you could just imagine, you know, you've carried this baby and all of a sudden you walk into an environment where everyone else is with the baby and you don't know how to touch it and don't know how to do anything with it. Mm. Um, and so just cumulatively, all of this and my fourth really was a catalyst for change for myself. So I actually left the NICU and said, you know what, I really would like to focus my time on creating a system where mom's health and their lens perspective and postpartum 
is a little bit more forefront than we actually do. And so then I, then I created, and we were talking about this before, like, you know, having a girl and girl's name. And so my girl's name was Naya and Naya Uh means, yeah, it means sunshine and renewal. And I thought that was kind of fitting. And so I opened Naya Care. It's a home health business and we specialize, our niche is postpartum care. Mm. Um, And we can do everything except the um, OB part of it. And uh, even that part, sometimes the OBs will reach out and say, hey, you know, could you give us objective data? Like if mom has preeclampsia and why don't we do like the blood pressure and stuff? So objective data, not the actual OB part of it. And I think what led me to it and what we're leading to this conversation is the fact that, you know, I suffered from postpartum depression. I was economically, financially, and I had a huge family support stable. And I'm like, and still, and then, and then that was with my second, my third, I had a lot of anxiety and I didn't realize that was actually under the umbrella of postpartum depression as well. And so I think postpartum depression is a misnomer. We don't yes, do a very, yeah, yeah, you know, we don't yes. do a very good job of actually, um, we have moms fill out those, um, the Edinburgh, those 10 questions, but mm. you know, the score could be like eight, but then if you actually look at the questions, they have tons of anxiety and then we're overlooking that. And, and that's what I kind of discovered is like, we just need to do a better way. And so why me, you know, like people are like, why as a pediatrician, are you going to take this on? If you actually look at a postpartum care system, Mm -hmm. we, the pediatricians are the ones making the moms come to most of the visits within the six weeks postpartum Mm -hmm. period. That's true. And then, you know, and then on top of that, if you have some lactation issues, um, our current system, and and th- we can even dive more into it, but in our current system, we do not have the ample time to address every aspect in the pediatric world um, of things that are affecting that dyad, the mom and baby. Um, and so we bring them back in for lactation, we bring them back in for weight loss and jaundice, and now in the first week, a mom can typically have like three or four appointments. Yeah. And then where is she, you know, and then where is she healing? Where is she where? In the, exactly? Where is she in the equation? And you know, you didn't mention baby daddy drama. You didn't mention oh, yes. mother-in-law drama. You didn't mention getting, you know, quote unquote, the having the wrong sex as far as like you wanted a girl and you got a boy. Those are yes. other things that you may not be able to measure, but are real factors in this human being. And then more importantly, two days ago, I'm so happy that you're talking about this because two days ago, or was it yesterday, it landed in my inbox, the study that was on MedPage today. I mean, it was between 2009 and 2017, the increase in suicide amongst Mm -hmm. women within the first year of birth, not even Mm -hmm. like first week or first month. No, no. That was as in 2017. So with the way, the way 2020 has been, you can just guess what the numbers can be. Right. And moms commit suicide nine, about nine to 12 months after the baby. So things are kind of brewing and people are not recognizing those red flags. And it's, it's, so you are absolutely right. There is so much more that you can peel away from the mom. But to start off just acknowledging the fact that her health is very important in this fourth trimester 
is the first place that I felt that I could start. Um, and that, I mean, actually my postpartum depression and all of this, I mean, we're both physicians, we're both, we love evidence-based medicine. And when we looked at the literature, it was like simple concept of home health was like, oh, we can actually reduce and other countries who do it do have decreased mortalities and not only maternals or infant, mm-hmm. they have increasing breastfeeding rates. And you're mm-hmm. like, what are they doing? I think what it's a doing? basic, yeah, a it's the same question. It's the basic acknowledgement of a mom who had a delivery. And then speaking of the trauma, I mean, I can like, I have four deliveries. You're like, why me again? I had a C-section. I had a grade I had a I had three VBACs. One led to a grade three to a four um, vaginal tear. One was all natural and that was so intended. And my last one had preeclampsia with a grade two. And I'm just like, and you're making me come to the pediatrician's office. Like I can't even basically hobble off of my bed and I have to do all of this. And so there's an element of trauma there as well that we're not addressing. I mean, your body, like my body went through an abdominal surgery because of a failed progression. So then you look at is like, I, I remember thinking, I was like, um, I think a couple of years after my son was born, I was just like, well, if I had him in any other time period, he would have been dead. Like that's the, that's the thing that crossed my mind, right? Or if I have, even if I had him in any other country right now, that isn't, has the developed healthcare system that we do, my first son would, would have been dead because he would have been stuck in my canal. Nobody would have been able to get him out. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're just like thinking about that. And it's like these, these little trauma things that kind of come through, yeah. you know, like while you're mm-hmm. doing it. So I love that. I love that picture. I, I want to go back a little bit just because the podcast is, is for everyone and I know what these words are, but most people do not. So just take a second to explain what pre- preeclampsia is if you want to, what a sure. two or three tear is, because again, <laughs> we don't know what it is. And then more importantly, well, let's let's do those first two first, and then we'll, we'll talk about the other, because I want people to leave the, the listen and say, oh yeah, okay. So that's what that means. If you have right. to is that. And, right. then, and, then, and then we'll go on. I mean, simply preeclampsia is just a high blood pressure that you develop in pregnancy. There are other manifestations um, that can come of it or complications. Um, you can go into what's called eclampsia, which is now you have not only blood pressure issues, but also seizures. And I think that's where the OBs are really trying to prevent. One thing that I learned um, and really did talking to my MFM and OB was that it is a, it's, so there's a definition, right? It's like, I believe it's like 130 systolic. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but there's also the other definition is like a degree of points above your baseline. Well, my baseline blood pressure was always 90s and 100. Oh God. You know, and that's my baseline. And so I actually, when looking back in my other pregnancies, I probably had some degree of preeclampsia because all my babies literally are smaller with every pregnancy, not um, not your typical, um, increase in weight. So that's something that I, when moms tell me that they have it, I'm just like, well, could talk to your OB, what was your baseline, Mm. do what you need to do for the next pregnancy. Mm. Symptoms wise, it sucked. Like I felt I was nauseated all the time. Mm. I had this terrible 
um, positional headache. Uh, nothing made me feel better. Um, and it was just like, you kind of just felt like there's something not right about you. Yes. Something's not. (laughs) I was going to say that a feeling of impending doom is what I felt. And I love what you said. You said nine to 12 months after the babies, when mothers die by suicide, we like to say die by suicide rather than commit. But here's the point. I, when I was 10 months out with my third son, I went to Washington, D.C. for a pediatric conference. I'll never forget that. And on my way back, I was driving. It was evening. It was, I was driving back to my sister-in-law's house or whatnot and I had this headache from I don't know where and I felt like I was going to I wasn't going to make it like I had a major feeling of impending doom as I was driving through the streets of southeast Washington DC when I got so what I did was when I I I did the trip I came back and I had the airport in Charlotte North Carolina where we lived at that time I called my eye doctor I said, look, can you please stay open? I need to come see you because I can't see. And I I just, my eyes, my vision is blurry. He stayed open because he's a doctor to doctor. Just like we took like an hour and some change to get back to where he was. He waited for me. When I came, he checked my vision. And after checking my vision, he didn't say anything. He didn't say a word. But in slow motion, I still see him slowly open the drawer and brought out the blood pressure thing and check my blood pressure. I'll never forget that. I had cotton wool exudates in my eye. I had and blood hemorrhages in my eye. And he said, very, I'll never forget. He took a very deep breath and said, Chenna, when was the last time you checked your blood pressure? And he said it very nice. I was like, oh, um, I think when my baby was born, he's like 10 months old now, is what I said. Mm He said, who's your doctor? And I was like, oh, so and so. He said, okay, let me call him. He never told me what my blood pressure was. He called my doctor and told my doctor to stay open. And he did not let me drive. He said, no, somebody has to drive it. I was like, what's going on? He said, the doctor said I was 210. Ooh. Over 110. Wow. I'll never forget that. He put me in the hospital. He said, you're not going home. I couldn't, I was like, oh my God. But to see how listening to your body, man, I should have gone in DC though. But I said, let me get home. You know, we put it mm-hmm. off. We put it mm-hmm. off. Yeah. And I've yeah. I been having headaches for months. And I kept saying, yeah. oh, it's my, it's not, I'm, I'm not eating well. I'm not resting well. I just had a baby. I said, every exactly to check my blood Ex- pressure. It's a bad marriage. I tossed everything I could. I'm working really yeah. hard. You know, I'm... Uh, I didn't check my book. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I think mm. that's what, well, let me, let me put on this point and we'll go back to great, great, the tears and stuff, but that's how our culture and our society mm-hmm. has kind of told moms. We have this hallmark Hollywood version of what motherhood is supposed to be. Mm. And look how good Hollywood is doing. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I am glad. I am glad for some of these um, celebrities coming out and really telling some of the realities and stuff like that. Yeah. And hopefully that will be changing. But I mean, 
And then you add in other kids and your health just goes back and back and back. And, and then you go into a position where you ended up, where finally when it's, you, your body can't take it anymore because you've just ignored it yes. because you've been told to ignore it Yes, because you, you have to push talk, through it. You don't, you don't count. No, ah, I tell no. you. Recently, no. I, I mean, decided I was going to start coaching overwhelmed physician moms. Like I had to narrow it down because that's who I am. That's who I was. Mm-hmm. Not just physicians. I like that, but also physician moms specifically because I can identify with any angle of the stories they can tell. I've been there. I, I am them. Yeah. 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 So. And in Nigeria, think- as, well, as well as customs go, cultures go, we, when you have a baby, when a woman has a baby, they have like six or seven aunties and cousins and mother-in-law and mothers-in-law coming mom coming just to wait on you. And in my mind, I was like, you know what, what? That's, that's too much. Now I know why. Yes. Now I know why. Well, no, it's so funny. So t- two things. Um, I was in our culture, we kind of do the same. We're supposed to deliver in our maternal home and we're supposed to bed rest at um, for 11 days. And in some areas of India, there's more days than none. Um, and here's a funny connection. Um, so I actually lived in Nigeria. My mom's Yay! an OB. Yeah. And so we were there and she had her, or she had my brother there. And it was just, even without any family, we had no family there. I just remember our nanny, my brother would be crying and she'd be like, nope. We're, she's like, don't worry about it. We took him. And the wraps and just putting him behind and he has such terrible colic and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just like, it was just understood someone else is going to be taking care of the baby. Yes. And the mom just needs to rest. You know, I I remember that resting. Yes. And and it's a huge deal. They come, they cook for you. They cook, cook, cook. Yes. And they cook pepper soup for you. And they they massage your stomach with what, with a warm, right. And I saw those things happening with my aunties, but I never had those because my parents were in Nigeria when I had the babies. So, so there's a lot to be said about the customs of America, which I mean, it probably does even work for them. I don't know. But for us back home is a huge deal. Even before you have the baby, sometimes you go, you, they send you to maybe your mom or your aunt or somebody so you can stay just even before the baby gets here because it's a big, a huge yep. deal. See, I yep. don't know if you do that as much anymore, but I remember growing up, it was a huge deal. Like, oh my God, yeah. so much food around the woman that has a baby. It's just, it's just a huge, yeah. all your job is to sleep and breastfeed the baby and sleep some more. And that's it, you know, and it's just so beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. beautiful to watch. Do you guys yeah. have that in, in India? We do. And so the funny thing is that my mom, who is a physician as well, after every of my children it would take two weeks off and come be my, my, by me. And then my mother-in-law would follow after two weeks. And it was just understood. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh, you're having another baby? It's just understood. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, it's putting that emphasis on the fact that this is a life-changing mm-hmm. event. Like yeah. you, you're having a baby. You're just not, it's not, it's, a it's, it's a life change. I know. And, and it's, it's not an life easy life changing event. And I remember, I remember, I, I recognize postpartum psychosis because mm-hmm. I remember there was some days I was just dr- driving and I wanted to just like, just 
scream or just tear my hair out because I was, I just, and I didn't know what it was. And I said, so what the heck is this feeling? And I'll just still go to work and see my patients. And, you know, doctors, we get so good at just, I guess somebody said compartmentalizing, just being able to do, okay, I, when I'm at work, I'm doctor mode. And on the way home, I'm crying and I can't stop crying. And then I get to the house and I'm mom again. That was exhausting. That was exhausting. Yes. So I've opened this um, home health business for three years. I've done over 300 going strong postpartum um, visits and um, moms. And, and this is what I've learned. You know, before I could quote the numbers, I was like, oh, it reduces postpartum depression by 30% and so forth. And what I've learned is I've actually started unearthing most postpartum stuff because moms are now comfortable telling me information and I've given them the space to acknowledge what they've gone through and that is becoming more powerful that you know like I mean I just had another mom she came just I mean she was just crying and I was like it's totally fine to cry Mm -hmm. and the reason she was crying is because she had lost a little baby at 27 weeks this baby had ended up in the NICU for um, issues and one thing that stuck to me was like, why did my body fail me? And that's trauma that we need to address with this mom. And this is the kind of stuff we're unearthing. And some moms are just like, you know what? This sucks. I was like, yeah, it does suck. It's like the first <laughs> couple months of having a baby, it's, it, it is, it's very um, challenging. Yes. You are in survival mode. Let's acknowledge yes. it. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, you know what? Thank you for acknowledging it. I feel so much better. Yes. That's, that's, a, that's, that's all she needed. And you held space for her. I mean, it's about grace and space. And, and I have to say, I don't know that I was always like that. I don't know what I was like before I had kids. I don't know what I was because I, I just, I, I didn't have a thought about it. I don't know what I didn't know. I saw it in medical school. We learned about it and yeah, yeah, okay. But when I had a child, I, 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 it was a different, a whole different, and it never, you know, you never stop being a mother. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it changes, the dynamics change. You're no longer, it's no longer a baby, a breastfeeding. It's not, now it's toddler. And now it's mm-hmm. a school-age kid. And now it's a high schooler. Oh, wait, now it's postgraduate. It's mm-hmm. always going to be morphing. And you have to just keep morphing. No break in sight. So I was just so thankful when I was like, you know, it took me a minute to, to find, find my niche, but it hit me. I was like, wait, I am her and she is me. I'm a mom and I'm a physician and, and, mm-hmm. and I much love to every physician out there, you know, males, which we, I, I coach everyone, but specifically I, I just want, I'm in love with who I am, which is a mom and a physician. So it's, it's yes. critical that we don't have enough, you know, nobody's holding space for us. I mean, there's inequality at work. There's toxicity. I mean, there's everything you can think of women, mothers, we just don't get it. You want to take 12 weeks. Why? You just had a baby. All you did was have a baby. No, it's not all I did. Right. It's like, <laughs> right. it's a year in Nigeria. It's like six months or I don't know how many months. Yes. You get like a whole but, year if you want to. But here's the thing with physicians <sighs> and anyone in the medical community, we've been trained with our mindset to solve problems and mm-hmm. to solve issues. And we're not even in the medical. I just remember, you know, like I was one of those that we did the hundred hours and then the 80 hours and, you know, the people that did the hundred hours are like, Oh my God, 80 hours, you guys aren't going to learn anything. And you're just like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, 
still 80 hours is a lot of hours a lot, and you work. A lot. We you did, yeah. I, in my day when I was a resident, I went, I was on call every third night. It was one in three. It was one in three. And I did residency at Howard. It was one in three. That's it. For three years. Three right. So our mm-hmm. mindset has been trained to just continually go through the systems and allow ourselves just to go through the systems in order to learn. But parenting is not like that. There's no system. I tell my parents that, listen, there are guidelines for safety that we have put out there. But you know what? If you want to hold your newborn on your chest and that's making you feel good and you're worried about coddling them or spoiling them because they won't sleep when they're six months, dude, at six months, they're going to tee. They're going to screw it up for you anyway. <laughs> you know? I remember and just my to kind of... Yeah, I remember my days of breastfeeding, you know, uh, on the bench at the mall with my with my little hoodie thing on the hood thing over the baby so I could see my baby. I know I got some looks from some people. Okay, I want to breastfeed my baby. If my baby is hungry right now, I'm not going to wait because in about 10 months, they're not going to, you know, they will have outgrown or whatever. I'm like, no, no, no. This is me. I'm going to breastfeed my baby here at the park. I'm going to cover up but I'm going to breastfeed my baby. No excuses. And, and I think moms just, we just get too much negative energy. And sometimes from other moms, sometimes mm-hmm. the toxicity is really from other moms. Mm-hmm. And that is what I just don't get. And obviously now looking back is their own unresolved trauma that they're dealing with and then projecting on you. But still, I don't need some of your yeah. trauma. I'm already traumatized enough. Wow. So how are you doing now? I mean, I guess, first of all, I should say thank you on behalf of all moms for, for doing such a, where were you when I needed that kind of service? That would have been amazing. Yes. I don't so even know where do, I was. <laughs> I know, but are you able to do stuff? I mean, is this like a medical practice? Is it like a DPC? Yes. What is it? it it's, um, it's a combination. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I've always been trained like with safety net hospitals. So I do take Medicaid. I feel that this type of service should be for all moms. There are systems that are there. um, Like there's a nurse partnership and healthy steps that are friendly funded. However, you have to meet certain criteria, you know, and and it's just like, no, like it doesn't matter if it's my first baby or my fourth baby or my 10th baby. I'm a mom and I'm going through this postpartum period. So that was a mission too, is to have something like this available for all moms. Um, and so I do take, that's no insurance. The other insurance I'm working on currently. So hopefully in the new year, we're going to be adding more insurances on. Um, and then the other way is fee for service. And we just really do this. Uh, it's an extension of hospital care. So we really just do the two months and then, uh, the patients are encouraged to find their medical home and we help them transverse that as well Mm. to make sure that that's, one thing that, you know, they, they get plugged into a medical home. Yes. Exactly. Our program. Um, so obviously, you know, as a pediatrician looking at the landscape, it's like, okay, I'm the one who's uh, making you guys come into the clinic. I'm going to be coming to your home. Mm-hmm. I'm also breastfeeding. So lactation. And I also clip anterior ties. So if there's any tongue ties issues, cause you know, breastfeeding mm-hmm. is one of the main uh, staples. Well, we can go into that too, but it causes a lot of problems. Um, with babies like jaundice and weight Mm -hmm. loss. And those are all appointments that are making parents come back in. So I'm going to bring basically my pediatric clinic to you and all the pediatric appointments up to one month, regardless of it's going to be the 
standard three or if I have to add more in there, they're all gonna be covered. And then more importantly, like I said, this is actually more for postpartum depression, which I suffered. So every one of my mom at one month, not only gets like, obviously we get screened, but um, currently every mom is having uh, one of my counselor moms is going to be, is touching base with them. And the mm. cool thing about her, her name is Olivia. She's actually been through my program. Mm. And so she's like, she came back and said, I'd like to work with you. Oh. The other person that is very staple in all of this also is a physical pelvic therapist. Mm. And I don't think so a lot of moms know about pelvic physical therapy and the need for that. So it's easy to explain, right? You break a bone and you have a certain time period, you go to the orthopedics and they, you know, you have a certain time period, but your pelvis, I mean, you can probably talk more (laughs) better than I can, but um, there's hormones that allow that pelvis to relax and open the brim to open, to allow that baby to happen. Mm -hmm. And the afterwards, the healing is what sometimes can go awry. And this is where pelvic physical therapy comes into play because it's not natural for you to go older and, you know, when you're laughing, you pee. Well, that's not, that's, that's not natural. You know, like we, we need to take care of ourselves now. And that's something that I had to go through. I I also have IC, which is interstitial cystitis. And I have to deal with that. And looking back, it was probably promoted or it didn't help with all the deliveries I've had. And I never got pelvic physical therapy until afterwards. And it's been life-changing for me. So those are the couple of things. So not only supporting them with the newborn, because you know, that is their focus, but then when they are ready at the one month and six weeks um, to actually be like, okay, you know, you did a great job. You're doing a great job, but now we really need to kind of turn the tables a little bit more and look at your health and to put that at the forefront as well. And lastly on this, why that is important. Like why is mom's health important? If you want to look at it scientifically, If you look at the evidence-based medicine, infant development and childhood development is keyed on maternal well-being. And so, well, I want my patient who is my pediatrician patient to do well, but if the foundation has cracks in it, they're not going to thrive optimally. They're going to thrive, but they're not going to thrive optimally. So that's the long gist of it. Um, I really fell into this. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Um, and it's, 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 uh, and you were talking about tearing up and things, but there was a post and I think our communities are very, they like to, um, things ever under the table and let's kind of brush it under the rug. But yeah. there was a post about a girl in Atlanta who, I mean, on surfaced looked beautiful, like a beautiful mom. This was her first child. You saw pictures of her baby shower, all the aunties kind of around her, family around her. And five months into her baby's postpartum, um, she committed suicide. Mm. And you were just like, and this beautiful mom, you could see her, you could mm. see it in it. And you're just like that again, like things in the universe come to you and you're like, no, this is what I'm doing. Yes. This is, I'm trying to break the barriers down yes. that it's okay to get help. It's, it's okay because it's not in your control, you know? So. Mm, That's amazing. I I didn't, I I never heard about that story, but thank you for what you do. I mean, really that's the whole reason I do it. I do this because I I don't think 
We have enough people just wanting to talk about the stuff that nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about pain and suffering. We rather want to look at the world with rose-colored glasses, but no, actually they are jaded glasses. We must put on jaded glasses to see reality. If I, I mean, you, my cousin is a pharmacist. She actually had eclampsia and she's a pharmacist. She actually had seizures. They were like, okay, that's it. You're not having any more babies. You've had a boy and a girl, that's it. Because the next pregnancy, we don't know what's gonna, we don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Her husband is a doctor. <laughs> so it's like, it, it, it's, it happens to any of us. We just have to be just more compassionate, I guess, to, to each other and to one another. So, I mean, before we, we let you go, where can the listeners find you? That's one. And then number two, what advice do you have for a mom? Because my bulk of listeners are 25 to 50 women, right? So what do you have to say to us, your ideal client right there? What would you want to say to them in, in closing? And yes. where can they, how can they find you? Where can they find you? Yes. Um, so first of all and foremost, please invest in your health. It is so important. Um, there are other physicians around the country that are doing similar to me. If you happen to go do a little research, invest in the doula, invest in having Gerber hub or whatever, deliver food every day because everything is temporary. Okay. Um, ask for that on your registry. Um, you'll get enough diapers. You will get enough support that way. <laughs> you know, uh, but please really start looking at, okay, what do I need to help me? Do I need, so we did one baby shower before COVID where the, this was the mom's second baby, but we wanted to celebrate it too. So we all came together and prepped meals for her to go in the freezer. Mm. So really, you know, and then, so she would have meals. So these are the things oh, that, powerful. I mean, uh, I, thought about yes. I have goosebumps because she also has that first baby and no matter, no matter how hands-on the dad is, you know, you're still the mom and that's just so yes. tough. Wow. That's yes. powerful. That is very good. I never thought about that. Never thought yeah. about prep yeah. meals for, so that the last you a year. Exactly. I mean, and it's, 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 Instead of giving, I mean, especially with the second one, you have probably enough of the clothes and the yes. toys and stuff like that. Um, and so really to look at things such as such that contribute to your health. Um, so one, that's my one advice. Second, the first month sucks. Just, it's okay. It just sucks. You're going to be expect sleep it, deprived. Right? It's very it. high. Yes, please expect. There's no yeah, because and, and, and I don't want you to even rush over that. Yeah. Say that again slowly for those at the back. Expect it. It makes sense that when you're expecting rain, you will be prepped in your mind. You have your umbrella. You have your rain boots. You make, it makes sense to come prepared. And then if it goes great, super. Yes. But why yes. don't you come in ready in case it doesn't? So you don't doubly become... <sighs> yes. Babies change so much in the first month. Mm -hmm. They have so many demands. The only way that they know how to express the demands is crying. You will have babies that cry. You will be waking up in the middle of the night. You will. So really, like you said, expect it, figure it out where your support system can come in and how it can help because it doesn't have to be you solely and 
the other, the third piece of advice is if you have a partner in your relationship, that partner has contributed to that child. It's okay for that partner to do things their way. It's okay. So, because you don't want to be when that baby is three years old and be like, oh, they only can do good with mom. They can't do with anyone else. <laughs> you're just like, no, I just want to go on a vacation with my girlfriends and I just want to go out. And you're like, well, you can't because you know your baby the most. And you're like, no, no, it's, no. It's so, funny you said that though, because that was, was it on the physician mom's group or something? No, I don't know. I mean, I think there was a post, I think a, t- a day or two ago, this lady that's saying, oh, help. My three-year-old is so clingy. My three-year-old will not leave my side. And is this normal? And like literally the ba- the child, maybe baby, I don't know, sits on her through the night and won't go to the dad and all this. And is this normal? And of course people were sharing, you know, is it normal, is it normal? And I just, I just read through the post and I was like, okay. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes if you make your bed, you have to kind of lie on it. One, two. I don't know, maybe there's something going on here, but I obviously that's, that's, that cry for help needs a whole lot more questions to be asked, but that's what Facebook groups are. You just go and ask questions and get advice and you're good, but you're yeah. not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We need to ask more questions. There's a lot, right. could you be abused? I mean, who knows? I don't know, yeah. but don't yeah. let me respond to that. So I was like, let me not respond because I'm going to say something that's not going to be, you know, oh my God, yeah, because... I don't know if it's normal. You know your child though. And then you, you, is there another family member? Is there another, is, well, she said her husband, the child completely ignores, but the child goes to daycare and they're fine at daycare. And I was like, I don't know. I just have so many more questions, but you know, we're just. Yeah. 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 So where to find me? So those yeah. are my pieces. Please invest in your health. I think overall, just in your health, your mental health, your physical health, I guess that's the fourth and the final one. There's a lot of physical changes that come that we just do not talk about. Mm. Um, Your first poop is going to be hard. Like you're just like, how is this possible? But that's some of the realities of it that we just don't talk about. There's a lot of stuff that's going to go in your pelvic area that it's, it's going to be difficult. And you're just like, wait a minute. I didn't realize all these changes. And you're like, no, be careful. You will, you will have, you will have telogen. Your hair is going to fall out. You yes. know, you will have clogged ducts in your nipples. That's going to hurt. You yes. will have, you know, lochia. I mean, bleeding postpartum. You, 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 your stomach is not going to be flat tomorrow. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not going to lose all your weight in, in a week. And you shouldn't yeah. because it takes yes. 10 months to gain it. And if you're breastfeeding, you shouldn't be losing weight anyway. I mean, yes. you will not sleep, you know? Yes. So yes. can't sleep when the baby is sleeping and don't do your dishes when the baby is sleeping. Sleep when your baby is sleeping because the baby is going to wake up and then you have, these are things that I, honey, these are things that I learned. I'm like, I need to write a book called 10 things to expect when you have your baby because mm-hmm. like literally you sleep when your baby is sleeping. Do not catch up on your phone calls or on social media or do your dishes. Mm-hmm. When the baby is yeah. up, guess who hasn't slept? You. You. Yeah. Yes. So if any mom, so I do do breastfeeding consults, telemedicine. So if many moms need that. Um, my niche is also the NICU moms. So I work with a lot of NICU moms who have their babies been in the NICU um, and they want to start introducing more breastfeeding and how to kind of go about doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if any parents just, we do free consults too. If you just want to drop in and ask me a couple of questions, that'd be, be great. And so my 
webpage is Naya Care. That's N-A-Y-A Care, C-A-R-E dot org. And that's also on, we're on Instagram and Facebook as well. So I was find you there. You, what about non-Colorado, you know, people mm-hmm. that don't live in Colorado? I mean, is this right. only for Colorado? Have, well, have the... The, the hope and the dream is to take it to different states. Um, that's why the not, we're, we're, that's why we're in the process of um, trying to get contracts with national insurances. Okay. But like I said, I do telemedicine for breastfeeding. We do free consults. So if you just want to drop in and just, you know, I just, we just want to ask you a couple of questions. That's totally, totally fine. Just go on the website and book a free consult that way. And then we can go from there and figure out how I can best support you, even if I'm not in the state that you're in. Oh. And, I've, and I've learned, I've, I've gotten spoiled by some of my some of my, my guests in recent times. That, uh, so now I ask the guests, so what if somebody heard about you here and said, I heard about you on Dr. Lulu's podcast. Can a sister get a discount for that? That sister? Of course. Um, yay! Yay, of course. So y'all of heard course. Her. I'm, I'm getting involved with that. <laughs> I just ask and I never pre planned. I just say, you know what? Can we get, can a sister get a discount? So you heard her, Tosono. She said you can literally tell them that you heard about her on this podcast and yes. you can get a 10% discount. I don't know, but yeah. this, this is yeah. why you should listen to the podcast. I love it. Yes, yes, yes. And like I said, the mission is for postpartum care to be beneficial for all moms and put moms more in the limelight. So whatever you need from me and however I can help you. I will do it from the state of Colorado and hopefully in the next five years, there's going to be other states added to, Yay. yes, under our umbrella. So Amen. I'm super excited. Amen. Because so, you're yes. doing something good. You're doing something great for mankind. So why not? Why would the universe not bless you? The only person that's going to come between you and your goal is you. Me. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Patel. Thank you so much, Dr. Donald Patel. And I, I apologize for saying Sonia. There is a Sonia Patel. Yes. You know, and so I, I kept seeing her when I was seeing her name. I was like, is that the lady with the telemedicine something? But it's not you. You're different. Um, you're babies and, and their mothers, which is most important. Yes. yes. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that was a good one. That was a very nice twist because we generally don't talk about that. I don't think I've, I have been on multiple podcasts talking about my birth stories, but I've never had someone just come on the podcast to talk about it. I was going to mention that because next week is my 100th episode. So I'm going to do a solo cast and just talk about, I'm calling it a milestone and a look back episode, something like that. And I was going to mention that new thing that I found out about mothers and suicide. And then here you are, here you are talking about it. This is so good. Thank you so much for coming and gracing our pages. I really appreciate it. You wanted to say quick goodbye and then we can just shut it down. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on here, giving me the platform to speak about such an important issue that we seem to overlook. And just really, honestly, if any mom who's out there who just wants to connect and just wants to know exactly what they need, I'm totally happy to help. Fantastic. NayaCare.com. November Alpha Yankee Alpha charlie alpha romeo echo dot org all right 
not.com. Thank you so much for coming. I really, really appreciate it. My name is Dr. Lulu, AKA the Marmatrician. I gotta go y'all, you know, it's good to come here and just kind of fill you guys up with all kinds of knowledge, but make sure you go out and share, make sure you pass it on. That's the whole idea. That's why we're doing this. Share with someone, tell someone about Dr. Naya's, um, Dr. Sonia's so. movement, <laughs> what I'm calling it really at this point, tell's movement, because that's what it is. Naya care, look her up, tell someone about it. The life you save might even be yours, right? Remember how I say that all the time. So take care of you. I'll see you guys in the next podcast episode. Peace out. Bye.